The following is a co-production of Belmont Council on Aging and the Belmont Media Center. Thank you for turning in to this week's edition of the Talking News, stories from the Belmont Citizen Herald, read by volunteers from the Beach Street Center. This week, our readers are Max, Thomas, and Claire. And now on with the show, and I turn it over to Max. Thank you, Bob. Good chance Belmont will have a role in COVID vaccine distribution by Franklin B. Tucker. With the need to provide approximately 600 million doses, two per person, of the COVID-19 vaccine in the US, it's likely that Belmont's health infrastructure will be part of that massive effort in 2021. Quote, there's a good chance we will play a role in the local distribution of the vaccine, unquote, said Wesley Chin, director of Belmont's health department, when he spoke to the select board on Monday, December 7th. Chin said that the state has informed cities and towns the vaccination protocol will have three stages with local boards of health involved in the final phase, which will be focused on jabbing the general public. On Wednesday, December 9th, Governor Charlie Baker announced that the state's first shipment of approximately 60,000 doses of the Pfizer vaccine will be delivered on Tuesday, December 15th, going directly to 21 hospitals across the state. At Wednesday's press conference, Baker announced the state's distribution plan, saying the first phase of 300,000 doses will be distributed in mid-December through mid-February to healthcare workers, those employed in long-term care facilities, first responders, and people working in congregate care settings. The second round of nearly 2 million vaccinations will take place starting in mid-February and lasting through mid-April. That supply will go to individuals with two or more comorbidities, high risk for COVID-19 complications, a group including teachers, transit personnel, grocery and food workers, and public work employees, and those over 65. Beginning in mid-April, the vaccine will be available to the general public. And now over to Thomas. Thank you, Max. Belmont Public Library moves to a more contact-free model with new pickup times by Franklin B. Tucker. In response to the rising COVID-19 numbers in Massachusetts and Governor Charlie Baker's request for increased safety measures, the staff of the Belmont Public Library has determined that starting last week, the library had to move to a new service model, which will reduce the amount of physical contact between staff and patrons. Quote, we wish things were going in the other direction, but the reality is that what we care about most is the safety of you all and of our library staff, end quote, said Peter Stuziero, Belmont Public Library Director, in an email. Beginning on Wednesday to December 9th, out of an abundance of caution, the library took the following steps to move towards a more contact-free model. On the lower level, the staff will serve children's patrons out the window of the children's room, just off the parking lot and to the right of the main door. On the main floor, the library will have all materials available for pickup in the vestibule area. Patrons will be allowed to pick up materials and museum passes on hold, which will be left under their name. 
the library is asking that patrons call a few minutes ahead of their arrival time and their materials will be prepared and left for them under their name at the vestibule. For pickup of children's materials, please call the children's room at 617-993-2880. For adult and young adult material, call circulation at 617-993-2855. For pickup of printouts and museum passes, call the reference desk at 617-993-2870. The pickup hours are as follows, Monday through Thursday from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. and 3 p.m. to 6 p.m. Friday and Saturday, 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. and 3 p.m. to 5 p.m. The library will continue to offer its digital library from the comfort of a patron's home. Reference librarians will be available via live chat, email, and phone to help residents with reference questions during pickup hours. The library will continue to issue museum passes for those institutions that are open. In the coming days, the library will work to begin a new service allowing patrons the ability to securely email personnel doc sorry, email personal documents for printing and pickup. Please keep an eye on the library's website for this announcement. Quote, we do not plan to change our hours at this time, we simply will be serving patrons out the window for children's materials and in the vestibule for circulation and reference. We will continue to waive library fines for the time being. So if you need an extra day or two with that book, please know that you will not be charged, unquote, said Strozziero. And now over to Claire. Thank you, Thomas. How to Help Young Learners Thrive by Melissa Erickson. The skills children learn in elementary school build upon each other like the foundation of a house. The habits of the mind for a growing child are reading, writing, math, learning, all start from a young age. And there are several things parents can do at home to help in the scaffolding process, said Pam Allen, Senior Vice President of Innovation and Development for Scholastic Education. This scaffolding process is fast and deep, she said. It's really exciting to watch children, mine and others, learn. Children are always growing and learning, and they are very aware. They are learners, Alan said. For little learners to build a, a solid academic foundation, families need to focus on some big concepts along the way, readiness to learn, Creating a healthy living routine can make sending a child to school ready to learn easier for busy caregivers, Alan said. With a routine, it becomes less of a task and more of a habit, she said. A nutritious breakfast fuels kids for the day and gives them the energy they need to do better in school. Alert learners need a good night's sleep. That's between nine and 12 hours a night for ages six to 12, according to the American Academy of Pediatrics. Be sure to create a consistent bedtime routine on school nights. Wake up a couple minutes early to be ready or lay out clothes the night before, Alan said. Take attendance seriously because attendance is deeply connected to engagement, she said. 
being a role model. Model and share lifelong learning, Alan said. Allow your children to see you learning, whether that means trying a new recipe or mastering minor home repairs. It's great to talk about someday you could be a lawyer, a doctor, or an educator, but it's more exciting for children to see you as a parent, as a lifelong learner, Alan said. In addition to creating a safe space for children to learn at home, parents should give kids access to a diversity of books and magazines so children can have an expansive view of themselves. Reading is opening a world of possibility, not just of who you are today or what career is possible, but also what kind of person you are going to be, she said, sparking curiosity. To open a world of possibilities, ask questions instead of making statements. Instead of saying, someday you could be an engineer, create an inquiry. To ask a seven-year-old, what are your hopes and dreams will spark some amazing conversation. We don't give children enough chances to, Alan said. Be sure to take time to talk to kids about what they are learning in school so they know that education is important to you. Alan said. Review results of state standardized tests to see if children are meeting or exceeding standards. The results shouldn't be a surprise. If they are a concern, you should have a good line of communication with the teacher. Don't ever be afraid of having a team approach, but start with the teacher, she said. Ask what you can be working on at home and the best ways to keep in touch, Alan said. Now over to Max. Thank you, Claire. Letter to the editor. Our plan for a new rink worked, but town lacked the, quote, political will, unquote, to get it done. To the editor. On November 10th, the Belmontian reported that eight months after receiving a single proposal for the development of a new skating facility, the town of Belmont determined the proposal was not economically feasible. While certainly convenient to blame the bidder, it was not true. The proposal submitted by Belmont Youth Hockey Association to develop a new facility was professionally vetted and fully financially feasible. The deeper story <clears throat> is that the town issued a request for proposal that was never feasible. The RFP asked for more square footage of programming than currently exists in the designated development space of uh, west of Harris Field. In an area that currently houses the White Field House, one rink, the skip, a soccer field, a softball field, and park facility parking, the town's RFP asked for all of these to be maintained and approved while adding an additional half rink, baseball field, shop put, and discus area, and additional parking space and 50 additional parking spaces required by the new high school. Once the review committee realizes they realize they need more space to meet their own RFP requirements, the town made the decision to pass on the opportunity to adjust their expectations to make the project feasible. The town lacked the political will to address the need for incremental parking for the high school in an alternate location. The decision by the select board to pass on the only proposal caps nearly 10 years of effort by Belmont Youth Hockey to address a critical issue. The town continues to operate a facility that is structurally and mechanically unsound. 
By passing, the town has eliminated any potential for a public slash private partnership. Belmont is no longer a credible partner. The town wasted the time, resources, and diligent efforts of a consortium of financial construction, design, operating firms, and individual volunteers all collaborating to solve a pressing safety and viability concern. The positive news is that the path forward is now clear. By failing the RFP process, the town must move forward on its own. It's time to allocate and approve the approximately 15 to $20 million needed to rebuild the Skip and the Whitefield House and to do so as part of an integrated plan to develop the space west of Harris Field so that the, depend the pending development of the field space is not squandered. Continuing to deny the lack of structural integrity of a complex that services several thousand kids and adults each year is not a responsible option. From Bob Mulroy, Belmont Youth Hockey. Now over to Thomas. Thank you, Max. Belmont Schools Name Ruane Interim Athletic Director by Franklin B. Tucker. Matthew Ruane, a Belmont High School counselor and assistant baseball coach, was named Belmont Schools Interim Athletic Director for the next four months on Friday, December 4th. Ruane will fill in until the first week in March for longtime athletic director and director of physical education, Jim Davis, who is expected to return at that time. Belmont Superintendent John Phelan did not provide a reason for Davis' temporary departure. Ruane will be responsible for managing the athletic department during the winter sports season and what is being called Fall 2, beginning in February, during which football is to take place. He will be facing sports which will be playing a limited schedule and possibly without spectators due to the COVID-19 pandemic, all the while promoting participation and the health and safety of students. While Davis is away, his physical education duties will be split between three lead teachers, Ten Ted Trodden, elementary students, Dina Cocciola, Chenery Middle School, Stacy Marino, Belmont High School. Before Davis left, he took care of the team's schedules, transportation needs, and gym registrations. Ruane is no stranger to Belmont High Athletics. As a student, class of 2007, Ruane was named Boston Globe Division II Baseball Player of the Year, going 7-0 as a pitcher and batting 521 to lead the Marauders to a sectional title, and was named Middlesex League's first team all-star at quarterback. He played baseball for four years at Bowdoin College, compiling a 324 average with 12 home runs. Ruane has been a high school counselor in Belmont since April 2016. He holds a Master of Education from Cambridge College and earned an economics degree from Bowdoin. And now back to Claire. Thank you, Thomas. American Sports Are Letting Down America by Jason Whitlock from Outkick.com. Nearly 30 years ago, in a 1993 Nike commercial, professional basketball legend Charles Barkley 
fired the first shot at the role model concept popularized by Columbia University sociologist Robert K. Merton in the aftermath of the 1960s countercultural movement. Quote, I am not a role model, Barclay proclaimed in the half minute spot. I'm not paid to be a role model. I'm paid to wreak havoc on the basketball court. Parents should be role models. Just because I dunk a basketball doesn't mean I should raise your kids. Barkley's words landed with a force, every bit the equal of former NFL quarterback Colin Kaepernick's national anthem knee 23 years later. Former Vice President Dan Quayle defended Barkley, while Barkley's fellow NBA superstar, Carl Malone, criticized him in Sports Illustrated. Leading news magazines, including Time and Newsweek, published articles. The topic still sparks debate today. Technology has helped advance the process, diminishing the influence of traditional authority figures and strengthening the reach of celebrities. Kids shut their bedroom doors, turn on their televisions, laptops, and game consoles, plug in earbuds, open social media apps, and disappear into a world far removed from mom and dad. With a mere push of a button, they tune out the worldview of their families and tune in the worldview of athletes. It is fitting that Charles Barkley fired the first shot against this trend because American sports have become the Gettysburg of what some have called our cold civil war. And if China has and the left complete their radicalization of our sports, our nation may never recover. Sport has the power to change the world. It has the power to inspire. It has the power to unite people in a way that little else does. It speaks to youth in a language they understand. Sport can create hope where once there was only despair. It is more powerful than government. In breaking down racial barriers, it laughs in the face of all types of discrimination. America is a shining example of sports transformative power. The games we play, the games at the center of our social behavior combine with our founding principles to enhance the American experience. America's enemies know this, which is why the culture war has moved to our arenas and stadiums. Since sprinter Jesse Owens won four gold medals at the 1936 Berlin Olympics, and boxer Joe Lewis scored a first round knockout over German heavyweight Max Schmeling in 1938, sports have served a powerful racial unifier in America as well. The, vict the victories earned by Owens and Lewis punctured Hitler's Aryan superiority myth, unified black and white Americans in celebration and established Owens and Lewis as this country's first black national heroes. Owen and Lewis laid the foundation for Brooklyn Dodgers general manager Branch Rickey's partnership with Jackie Robinson to integrate our national pastime, Major League Baseball, a decade later. Robinson's successful integration of baseball in turn inspired Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., Rosa Parks, and the civil rights movement of the 50s.
There is a direct line between people loving Ernie Banks and then the city being able to come together and work together in one spirit. Sometimes it's just a matter of us being able to escape and relax from the difficulties of our days. But sometimes it also speaks to something better in us. And when you see this group of folks, different shades and different backgrounds and coming from different communities and neighborhoods all across the country, and then playing as one team and playing the right way and celebrating each other and being joyous in that, that tells us a little something about what America is and what America can be. Now, here's Max. Thank you, Claire. Support local artisans and charitable organizations through holiday shopping by Franklin B. Tucker. The Social Action Holiday Gift Fair has been an annual tradition of the First Church in Belmont, Unitarian Universalist, for many years. This year it looks very different, but the opportunity remains the same. You can do holiday shopping and benefit others at the same time. This year, given the economic devastation wrought by the pandemic, choosing to do your holiday shopping this way is more important than ever. Buy gifts for everyone on your list by choosing from an array of products featuring the work of both local and international artisans and craftsmakers. All proceeds from your purchases will benefit the participating organizations. And now back to Thomas. Thank you, Max. Belmont Police Assist in Cambridge Knife Fight Arrest by Franklin B. Tucker. Action by Belmont police officers led to the arrest of a Boston team who stabbed a person in Cambridge near the Belmont town line on Friday, December 4th. According to a Twitter posting by the Cambridge Police Department, a 19-year-old man was arrested following a fight on Normandy Avenue adjacent to Belmont's Blanchard Road. Cambridge police said Belmont officers were the first to respond to the incident. Quote, a male was stabbed during the fight and sustained non-life-threatening injuries, unquote, said the Cambridge Police Department, which recovered the weapon. Quote, special thanks to Belmont PD for their assistance and initial response, unquote, tweeted the Cambridge Police Department. And now back to Claire. Thanks, Thomas. Council on Aging. The Belmont Council on Aging is located at 266 Beach Street. What services are we providing? Per our, of the town of Belmont, all the public buildings in Belmont are closed, including the Beach Street Center. The center can be reached for essential services over the phone. Key phone numbers include transportation, 617-993-2989. Lunch, Springwell, 617-926-4100. Social service, Janet Hamdour, 617-993-2983. Transportation services, we are asking people to confirm their medical appointments before booking a ride. We are still running trips to Market Basket and Star Market. The bus will take people to Star Market during their senior hours, Tuesdays and Thursdays from 6 a.m. to 9 a.m. 
Market basket trips are limited to five people to maintain safe social distance practices. The volunteer driving program has been suspended at this time. Our social work team is available to find resources for a variety of services that you might need. Call 617-993-2983 or 993-2975. Regularly scheduled well-being checks over the phone are available. The social work team is currently reaching out to our seniors 85 and over. A team of volunteers are available to help with day-to-day -day needs such as grocery shopping. Some of these individuals and those who were drivers from our volunteer driver program and some are newly vetted ones wanting to help specific, specifically during this crisis. We continue to provide Springwell lunches five days a week as a grab and go option or can be delivered to your homes. Please contact Dana Levitt at 617-993-2977. Now over to Bob. Thank you, Claire. We hope you enjoyed this week's Talking News. You can listen and watch Talking News on Mondays and Tuesdays at 4.30 p.m. on Channel 9 on Comcast and Channel 29 on Verizon. You can also listen to the Talking News anytime on the BMC Podcast Network on iTunes or at belmontmedia.org forward slash podcasts. Tune in next week. I'm Bob Fellerman.